All right, just after 5 o'clock, welcome back in. This is Game Time, and Game Time on ESPN Central Texas, your flagship station for Baylor Athletics, is brought to you by Versalift Southwest, a town manufacturing company. They are currently hiring hydraulic, electrical, and service technicians. All openings start at $17 an hour or more, and you can apply at 7601 Imperial Drive. Tom Bartfield. And Aaron Sexton in our uh, Alan Samuel Studios, Ward White's down at Wings Pizza and Things, where he promised to bring us some of those chili cheese fries or or the tots or something. I, I'm not real clear, but anyway, we welcome into the program uh, from uh, from Locked On Horn Frogs, the podcast. We welcome in Stephen Simcox. Stephen, good afternoon. How are you, buddy? Tom Ward, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate it. Let's. Uh, Let's begin by talking some some uh, TCU Horn Frog football. The uh, frogs coming off the uh, the loss Saturday. That's uh, that's a, another tough one, and and now they got to turn around and head out to Lubbock and take on a Texas Tech team that's coming off a a victory over West Virginia. Yep, falling to two and two after losing to Texas. I think there's some encouraging things from that game. I felt like the effort level was better, the intensity was better, but still really struggling to stop the run. You know, there's young Randy's in who. Is obviously a great back. He had over 200 yards rushing. Uh, similar situation to the SMU game where they kind of clawed back into it, got within five points. If the defense was able to get a stop and get the offense the ball back one more time, uh, you had a chance to go take the lead late. But, I mean, they couldn't get off the field on third and six. They gave up, you know, another first down on the ground. So that is uncharacteristic. That's two straight weeks and really all year where they've really struggled in the middle of that defense. Um, but, you know, I think overall there's no moral victories. You feel better about the way they played. The problem now is as you laid out there, you're sitting at 500 and you have a Texas Tech team on the road. It's always tough to go play. It's coming off an emotional win against West Virginia. Then you play Oklahoma. So you don't want to be staring two and three in the face when you travel up to Norman. So pretty important game for both these teams. But I think especially TCU trying to snap a two-game losing streak. Uh, there's got to be a sense of urgency as they travel out to Lubbock this weekend. Steven, you've covered, uh, covered Gary Patterson for a long time, and he, he's he been a guy that's that's a defensive guru, and, and I love the way that he goes and approaches things. But have you ever seen him spend so much time in off-the-field matters and, and off-the-field noise as he has this past couple of weeks? No, probably not. I mean, he's he's never been afraid to, to kind of make his feelings known about uh, another team celebrating or maybe how another player was acting on the field. Like he'll he'll kind of dip his toe in that water occasionally. I was I was really surprised that, and we talked about this last week, but I was really surprised at how he doubled down after the SMU loss on the on the flag situation. Uh, and and I can't explain it. I think there's some frustration there. I feel like he might be feeling the pressure a little bit. Um, maybe he's trying to take some of that pressure off his team and, and be a little bit of a distraction. But, you know, like this is who Gary is. Like he he has been at TCU for 20-plus years. Uh, he's obviously built up a lot of capital in that relationship and, and is somebody who uh, is the face of that program. So I think he's, he's always been truthful. He's always – said what he felt and you know let's rub people along the wrong way for a long time i don't know a lot of opposing fan bases that like him um as a coach which i mean hey whatever like that's not his job to get the approval of other schools um but yeah he's definitely fixated a little bit on on some things going on outside the football field and i'm not sure if that's intentional 
or if it's uh, if it's just some frustration boiling over. But I don't think it's a good thing for the team overall. As they go to Lubbock, uh, as you mentioned, they've lost two in a row, a non-conference game to SMU and then a conference game to Texas. Do, do you kind of get a feel that this this is kind of a, a must win, even though it is a road game in, 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 in Jones Stadium? I think so. I mean, it's still really early. It, if you fall to two and three, it's not necessarily the end of the world. But as I said, you still have Oklahoma on the road. You have, you know, Baylor, who looks really good at home. Um, West Virginia is always tough. Iowa State named late in the season. Like, you go down the list, Oklahoma State and Stillwater, once you get past this game, um, there's not a, a, a lot of games, really only that KU game that you look at right now and say, oh, yeah, that's that's one you can mark down and, and guarantee a victory. So um, you need to get this victory this week in Lubbock. And uh, I think they know that. I feel like they understand the importance of, of this ball game. TCU's had some bad starts the last few years, and they've been able to bounce back. So now your back's against the wall again. You have to find a way to win in a, in a tough road environment. But um, if you want to have any chance at the aspirations you had before the season, which I, I don't think they're a Big 12 championship team at this point, I don't um, feel like they're going to be a factor in that race. But if you if you want to be, if you still have that goal, which I know this team does, then it's got to start by getting the victory on Saturday and, and stacking up some wins over the next few weeks. Stephen, are you as intrigued as I am about the matchup between Sonny Cumbie and Gary Patterson coming up on Saturday night? I am. This should be fun. You know, Sonny, uh, fairly or unfairly, the last few years when this off- the CCU offense was kind of sputtering, he sort of became a scapegoat for the fans. Like, they all blamed him for his play calling, and he was the reason why they had so many uh, issues. But to be honest, I mean, the offense is better this year. But it hasn't – I mean, the, the inconsistency is still there. I haven't seen it take the leaps and bounds that people thought it might when, you know, they had somebody else calling the plays and Doug Beecham. So, uh, I imagine Sonny's eager to, to get out there and, and prove that, you know, when he's got the play sheet in his hand, he can make some things happen. I know that he knows Gary's defense really well. I'm sure that Gary knows his offense really well. Um, you know, they've had some battles over the last few years in practice. So, who kind of – uses that to their advantage the most will be really intriguing and yesterday Sonny actually had some media availability and they asked him about you know his time at TCU and he actually got really emotional talking about Gary Patterson which surprised me because I didn't get the impression that things ended on the best of terms um but that's a fun matchup to watch you know who who kind of uses that knowledge that they have about um each other's schemes to their advantage uh in the game and, and who can maybe make some things happen because of that you mentioned the familiarity does so what does this game come down to saturday night well i mean you know from tcu's perspective you you have to find a way to to slow down tech's offense especially in the run game you know i know henry columbia i can throw it a little bit and he was at utah state before transferring to texas tech so he knows that well well he kind of knows that system pretty well, but I think stopping Brooks in the ground game will be huge. And then also, I mean, they got to find a way to get Zach Evans more touches. You know, he had 15 carries, had over 100 yards, uh, but this has been a theme the last couple weeks where he's been successful, but they haven't gotten him the ball enough. Uh, Coach Patterson said that he's been tired. That's the reason they haven't used him, you know, as much as they'd like to. So, I'm not sure if that's a conditioning issue or if they're trying to save him for later on in the year, but as I've kind of laid out already, this is an important game. 
he's your best player. He's your best weapon offensively. And I think if your running game is good, then it can kind of mask some of the problems you have on defense, some of the uh, inconsistencies you have in the passing game. So I would look for him to get a lot of opportunities, both running the football and maybe, uh, you know, catching it out of the backfield as well. But I think those are the two two big keys. You know, can this defense either force turnovers or be better at keeping um, the opposing team out of the end zone? And then can you find a footing offensively with, with Zach Evans carrying the rock? Steve, a night game in Lubbock, and it's always a wild uh, place at Jones Stadium at night there in Lubbock. But with TCU going over the past couple of weeks and what they've gone through, do you expect maybe in this ball game that Gary Patterson and offensively and defensively both kind of throw the kitchen sink at the Red Raiders early in this ball game to, to try to get things swayed in their direction? I would imagine that he's got he's got to have some things defensively that look a little bit different just because of what we talked about earlier with, with Sonny Cumbie knowing him so well. Um, you know, Doug Meacham always likes to run trick plays. I'm not sure how successful they always are, but he's always somebody who wants to run a reverse or maybe a wide receiver pass. Um, so I think you could see that, that try to take the crowd out of it. I mean, it's it's real. Like that road environment, especially at night when, uh, you know, Tech fans have – more time in the day to partake in, in beverages, <laughs> um, it can get pretty raucous and things will be, objects will be thrown. So um, if, if you can settle that down in a, then you, you have to take advantage of that. So a fast start would be a big key. And yeah, um, you know, trick plays maybe, or not even trick plays necessarily, but just different formations, different looks that could confuse, you know, tech on both sides of the ball might be a good recipe to get off to a fast start. Steven, as, as you know, uh, Ward White was the poster child to get rid of Jalen Smith. Well, it finally happened. Were you, were you a little surprised uh, of the timing of uh, Smith being released? I was. I mean, I understand the, the financial implications that were at stake. Um, and Jalen wasn't playing well. But at the same time, like, I figured they'd keep him on the roster just for depth, just have somebody there that's been around for a while. Uh, that I think the people in that locker room respect. He's got an amazing story. I mean, the fact that he's even playing football is uh, pretty remarkable, given the injury he went through. And I will say, like, Jalen was really good. You know, back when they, they made the playoffs and beat the Seahawks, I can't remember exactly what year that was. I think it was 2019. Um, but Jalen Smith and Leighton Mandarich were great. I mean, they were a great linebacking duo. It looks like they had the potential to be – Moving forward, maybe the best tandem they've had that position since, like, that win at Dexter Coakley. Um, I remember specifically one play, which you don't want to, you know, bog somebody's career down to one play, but uh, they were playing the Texans on the road, and it was, you know, Deshaun Watson at quarterback, either on third and goal or fourth and goal, and he's trying to get in the end zone, and Jalen Smith just chased him down, like ran laterally all the way across the field and knocked him out of bounds before he got to the pylon. Um, and you saw that closing speed on display that season. He looked like a guy that could be a cornerstone of that defense, but it has not materialized since. And, and the other thing that surprised me with this, about this is that he's a Jerry Jones guy. I mean, when when Zeke was partying in Cabo during training camp, like Jalen Smith got a deal done, and they held a press conference. And I remember Jerry and Steven talking about how this was a guy that understood you know, the salary cap and that um, – there was a, a limited pie, and everybody had to get a piece. And he, you know, he was a team player. Um, and they were kind of hammering that narrative all offseason long because Zeke was holding out, and then Dak was also 
looking for a new contract. The fact that Jalen kind of went up to Jerry and was like, hey, let's get a deal hammered out, that was something that they tried to use to put some pressure on those other guys. And in the past, man, if a player gets close with Jerry Jones, it's really hard to let go of them. I mean, I, I remember they had to move heaven and earth to uh, to get Jerry to let Des Bryant go. And even though it was kind of a controversial decision at the time, um, you know, I think they've, they've been able to replenish that receiving core. So the fact that they were able to move on from Jalen makes me think that maybe Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn have a little more input than some previous staff have had as far as player personnel decisions go, which I think is a good sign. Um, but I was shocked that they did it in the middle of the season. And I feel like it says they feel pretty good about, you know, the real Cox, um, Micah Parsons, super versatile, but eventually I, I believe they want him to play that inside linebacker position. And if you have a couple of those young guys, I guess you, you feel good enough that you can cut somebody like Jalen Smith loose. Locked on Horn Frogs podcast. Uh, what do you got coming up? We'll have our uh, weekly Big 12 roundtable with the different hosts coming out tomorrow um, and a bunch of previews of this uh, upcoming Texas Tech game. Locked on Horn Frogs, you can get it anywhere you get your podcast. Steven, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much. Hey, Tom, real quick, I did want to sure. say I forgot. I didn't get this out last week because I think Ward was going to get some loaded tots or something, and he, he missed the rest of our interview. But um, I, I listen to you guys all the time. And I love the high school play-by-play you guys do. Tommy doing a great job on Waco High. Ward does a great job on Simple. But a few weeks ago, I saw that UMHB was trailing Harden-Simmons like 21-7 to or 21 to nothing, and I almost fell out of the chair. So I put the stream on, and Ward just did a fantastic job, and the rest of the crew did as well, uh, bringing you know, that broadcast to life as they made that comeback against Harden-Simmons. So um, you guys always do a great job with that play-by-play stuff, and I just want to pass that along. Everybody should listen to those. Those broadcasts on Friday and Saturday, if you can. Stephen, thank you. We appreciate that. And you're right. Uh, I was <laughs> the uh, the Harden Simmons thing. Ward, that was that was 